Okay, welcome into today's bonus podcast here with Erie First. This is Pastor Quint, and I am joined today by Pastor Nicole Schreiber and our special guest, Pastor Alan Thorpe. And uh, we are just going to talk today, if you've been following along, we've been doing these bonus podcasts to go with our Calling on God series. This is a series on prayer and different uh, instances in the Bible where we see people crying out to God for different reasons. And so we're just going to kind of talk about that today. Pastor Nicole and Pastor Alan have some great conversation lined up. So I will uh, hand this over to Pastor Nicole, and she can kind of introduce you to Pastor Alan, and we can kind of get into today's conversation of calling on God for healing. Yeah, so great. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm super excited to have uh, Pastor Alan here um, to talk with us. He is from the great city of Albion. Well, not from there, but pastors there now. Uh, and so that's within um, close to us, within our section. And in fact, Alan serves as our presbyter. And so I've gotten to know him uh, as really he's the pastor of the pastors here in our section. And that's awesome. Um, so I've been so thankful for his influence in my life and in our church. In fact, uh, four years ago now, Pastor Alan, you came to Erie first. And um, that was the day that I got voted in as lead pastor, and you were the one who got to uh, really facilitate that moment. So I'm so thankful um, for that. I remember that well. It was such a good day. It really yes, was. it was a great day, and in some ways has felt uh, very far. You know, very many years, and in other ways, very quick. So it's funny how time, you know, yes. just makes you feel. But uh, will you tell just the, those listening today a little bit about your journey? Um, obviously, like I said, you're not originally from Albion. So uh, what has been your journey in ministry? And my first church was in London. And then uh, we moved to the north of England, which was close to where I was born and brought up, which is in the county of Yorkshire. But 22 years ago, almost 23 years ago, we came over on a pulpit exchange and uh, looked after a church on the east side of the state near Scranton. And uh, long story short, we ended up here in Albion 20 years ago and two weeks. So it's just been just 20 years and two weeks here. And uh, we moved to Albion, one of the places that we wouldn't, or we would never move to. It was the smallest of the churches that I was looking at. It was in the furthest uh, northwest corner in a country town, not a city like I was used to in, in London. But God certainly had a plan for us. And so we're thrilled to be here serving in uh, Albion, Pennsylvania. So cool. Yeah. And um, tell everyone listening a little bit about your family. You have a a couple. Now, Quint has five kids. Pastor Quint has five kids, but Pastor Quint, I'll have to tell you, Pastor Allen has you beat. Five, five is how many we have. Three was my limit, so I can't even <laughs> imagine your life, Allen. Well, we said four was our limit, and it was until five came along, and that was unexpected, and then we moved while we were expecting number five. So she was born five weeks after we got here. So we decided, well, if we've gone that far, we can go again. And so we ended up with 10. So we have 10 children. Wow. Our youngest is 11 and our oldest is approaching 30. So, wow. yeah. Let's we, just all take a moment family. and pray for <laughs> Pastor Allen right now. Wow. That is, <laughs> that is a lot. Okay. So awesome. um, jokes aside yeah, though. So you, you come here from England and you're pastoring in Albion, Assembly of God. Um, so maybe just share, um, well, Pastor Nicole, what was that first question we were going to ask here about uh, healing specifically? 
Yeah. So um, has there been a time ever that you, Pastor Allen, and then Pastor Quint, if you also want to answer, ever prayed for healing, whether that was physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, and then what happened? Yeah. A couple of instances I was thinking in preparing for this. One was when my wife had her last child at number 11. So, uh, sorry, 11 years ago, number 10, he was born and she was hemorrhaging blood at a crazy rate. And uh, the, the doctors came in and said to me at the time, you know, this is very serious. We've got to do emergency surgery right away and see if we can stop this. Things hit you quickly and, and you, the shock, you don't realize that you're in shock, but at the time it was like, okay, well, let's get some people praying. I called people in the church here and they began to pray. But as the hours went by in the night, they kept coming back and saying, we're sorry, this is looking you know, like it's not going to work out and she's probably not going to pull through. You need to prepare yourself and maybe you want to call somebody to come in with you. And those are the kind of things, you know, we just had the elation of a baby born and then going through something like that, it was it was tough. And I remember during that time, uh, one of the songs that was current at the time, and certainly uh, one of the ones that's stuck with me since, was When the Oceans Rise. And I remember this form, I will rise with you above the storm. And God was just saying, you know, you can rise with me. You don't have to rise on your own and in your own strength above this storm, and, and I'll take you through this. And so I began to realize that God is in control even when I'm not. And I wasn't in control of my emotions or the situation. It was a doctor, not me. And I just had to leave that with God, knowing that God could take care of that. And that would have to be a miracle. It would have to be healing. And thank God that's exactly what he did. And so at that moment, she began to receive a touch from God through the doctors, through you know the medicine, through prayer, I don't know which was the biggest contributing factor, but prayer was certainly a huge part of that for us. And the testimony is that she came out of that, you know, without any kind of ill effects and, and God's been so gracious to us. And then you look at different stories. I look at myself, my health has been something that has been perplexing to, to me and also to our family, even our church family. We prayed for almost 12 years since I'd eaten properly at all. And uh, I began with septic shock, which they knew what, what, it, what it was and where it came from. And uh, there was a, a, some kind of foreign body that affected my body. And, and as a result of that, my body went into septic shock. And the only way that I was able to uh, get through that physically was that I brought everything back up. I had to throw up constantly. Now, I didn't choose to do that, but my body knew get that poison out of here and so I just threw up and threw up and for almost three months I did nothing but throw up probably 10-12 times a day and that's no exaggeration so I, I lost 80 pounds in that short period and given what the doctors have described this as it set off a chain of events that my body has not yet recovered from that says whenever anything goes in, it needs to come straight back out because it's poisonous. So they did a lot of tests, spent a lot of time at Cleveland Clinic, and they put dye in you and watch when you eat something and at what point it brings it back. And it's the same point at the all, all of the time, and it's at the ter terminal ileum, lowest part of your intestine. So just before food eats your stomach, it comes back out again. So for almost 12 years now, I've not been able to keep any food down. And yet, 
God's not healed me of that in the miraculous way I've prayed for, or our families prayed for, or our church. We've prayed. We've sought God. Is there anything that I need to do to put myself right? Is there anything I can do? Uh, you know, do I need to repent of anything? Is there sin blocking this? All of the questions. I'd heard those. I'd had those growing up. My dad had had cancer. He lost his leg. He died in his young 50s. And and I heard all of those things. Well, maybe he needs to repent. Maybe he hasn't got enough faith. Maybe it's because. And I didn't want any of that to be something that I didn't at least address. And it's only as time has gone on that I've begun to really come to terms with the fact that every day living without food really is a miracle. And that God's been able to give me the strength to get through each of those days on just liquids has been incredible to be able to function at the relatively high level that I've been able to through this. I won't say that I haven't had my my downtimes. I don't drive late in the evening just because when you're really tired because you're not getting energy from food, then you are not safe behind a wheel. So I, I take good care and precautions. But, but to say that God has been able to do this for me is just incredible to me that he's been able to provide the kind of healing that I've had and restore back to me the things that I've needed. It's just a miracle of healing. When I will be able to eat again, that will be a different healing. And I'm waiting for that. And I know that that can happen. And God had always promised through this that this was not going to be something that would end my life. My wife was worried that it won't work. My kids were certainly worried that way. I think Pastor Cole, you saw me when I was at my worst physically. And so I I, I went down to 140 pounds. That's that's little for a, a guy who started off in the 230 pounds. So I, I lost all of that and I looked terrible, but God said, I'm going to bring you through this. And the miracle of my healing is that I'm still here and the progress of the healing is ongoing and I'm waiting for that to, to end. Wow, that's so good. And I love... Um... I mean, I have so many questions. That's just amazing. Just the, all of it. And I'm sure you have so many questions. You're, sure, you know, you, you wait still. for answers every day. But I feel like um, the encouraging thing about that story is it shows, it shows the Christian, it shows us that um, we don't get to demand the results necessarily that we determine would be sure. quote-unquote healing. Really, our role is to just... Um, rejoice in whatever God's current manifestation of healing or miracle is, right? Your ideal scenario is that you're having steak dinner tonight, but God says, I'm going to keep you alive today with liquids, you know? But regardless, uh, you know, we give him the glory for that. And that I'm sure the process of getting there for you was quite a journey, uh, spiritually speaking, you know, and and I'm sure also it, it drew you closer to God in ways that, you never could have mm-hmm. gotten to otherwise, Absolutely. right? That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Mark Batterson tells the testimony of uh, being afflicted with asthma his whole yeah. life and praying for, for praying for healing, praying for healing, praying for healing, but keeping his inhaler with him all the time because he always needed it. And then there came a moment where he realized, I haven't used my inhaler in a day or two or three. And all of a sudden he realized that God had completely healed him. He had prayed for it for years and years, and his his perspective was, God might heal me of my asthma on the other side of glory when I'm in heaven, and if that's the case, amen, hallelujah, right? Um, but 
God did choose to heal him before that. And so, you know, he obviously gave God all the glory for that. So just so interesting, just so, um, such a great example to learn from. Like, thank you for sharing that, Alan. Well, I looked at it in the sense of, you know, I prayed for my wife. I prayed for lots of people during ministry. We all have, and we've seen the, the amazing miracles that happened just like that. You know, I've seen a lady who had a stroke that couldn't speak, start to speak in the service. She hadn't spoken and was told she'd lost all speech and immediately began to praise God after praying for her, seeing people, you know, touched in that way, not just through my prayers, but others. And then at other times, it's not when we want it or how we want it, but God is certainly at work and sometimes he's got a greater plan than we have. Amen. And as long as we're willing to fit into that, God will continue the process of healing. Amen. That's so good. So, so good. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Tell me about as, you know, kind of through this process, um, how do we explain to people who pray for healing, have, have faith for it, right? The scripture says, if you pray in faith, uh, you know, or anoint with oil, God will make the sick person well, right? Like, you know, talks about these things and, and how we need to have faith for the fact that God can do it, right? It's not that God can't heal you today. He, he can, it's not, it's not like he is, he's limited, right? He's all powerful. Yeah. So, and maybe even, you know, three pastors here talking about this, I, we, it's not that we have it all figured out either, but how can we sort of process with other people or even with ourselves when we pray for someone or even ourselves to be healed and it doesn't happen, you know, what are, what is kind of the truths that we need to hang on to uh, so that we don't become uh, confused or misunderstand, you know, or, or water down, you know, God's ability uh, yeah, I don't know. Have you had to wrestle with that at all personally? And then maybe even as a pastor, what advice have you given people? Yeah, I mean, we all, we all have the people who come and question us, well, why haven't I been healed? I, I have a gentleman in church right now who lost his leg due to diabetes who's been praying for it to grow again. I encourage that. I've got no problem with him praying for God to do such an outrageous miracle because God can do that. Is it likely to do that? We would say no, because we don't want to see things like that. But that's what a miracle is. And if we've got a miracle working God, I don't want to tell him to stop praying and, and let make him lose out on his miracle. But we have to explain it in the context of when God says pray and ask anything in my name, then it can be so and I will do it. When we talk about in his name, it implies always in scripture coming under his lordship. Coming under his lordship means making sure our lives are in line with his plan for our lives. It's not about what we want alone, but what God wants for us and to do through us. And so in sharing with him and certainly looking at it in my experiences, I want more than anything to live the life that God's got for me. And I want him to do through me whatever he's got planned to do. And if that means like for Paul, carrying a thorn in my flesh that's going to keep me focused on him, if I need that in order because of my weakness to be able to say, Lord, I need you so much today, then I'd rather be in pain and need him than go about my daily business healthy and ignore the things that God's saying to me. So we've got to, we've got to always, when we pray for people, make sure that they understand that it's his lordship, it's his sovereignty that is so important. And so when we come and we pray, we come and we submit ourselves. So when we, normally when we pray, we bring ourselves to the altar for that, in, whether it's physically in the church or we do that in a, a sort of humbling of ourselves way when we're praying for people. And I always say that 
we can't take ourselves up how we want ourselves to be. It's always got to be now. We've laid ourselves down, God, it's up to you. It's, it's your plan and your purpose that we, we want for our lives now. And so I, I want that for people. I want to see them healed. I want to see them well. But I want to see them living God's best. And I don't always know what that is. And so we've got to preface that. And I've always, I learned, when I was younger in ministry, I, I came under some really good senior pastors and those around me who were in uh, positions of authority over me, equivalent of presbyter and whatever. And they would share, you know, don't just tell somebody you're well when you're praying for them. That's not faith. That's just hoping. And you're putting an unreal expectation and most disappointments in life come because our expectations were just not real and so if God says to you I'm going to heal that person tonight then in faith absolutely tell them you're going to be well tonight because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God so if you've heard a word from God have faith and speak it out but if not make sure that you pray appropriately God can heal you do you believe that well let's put ourselves in a place to receive it if that's what he wants to bring this evening. And just our words and the way that we express ourselves can affect the expectation of people without denying the faith element that comes from the word of God. And that, I've received that as good advice and tried to, to live that and explain that throughout my ministry too. Yeah, that's so good. The word that stuck out to me that I, I was actually about to say was that word submit. You know, really what we need to do is submit to the truth that God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, God is sovereign over every, everything. And when we submit to that reality, it puts us in the proper place and the proper perspective to receive whatever he would be teaching through this experience, this moment. And I have said before to, to other people when in praying, you know, with sp- specific requests for healing, you know, you have to be willing to entertain the the reality that maybe God's plan is that that healing happen that healing does happen but 7 years from now are you willing to put in the 7 years of growing close to God are you willing to put in the faith and the work are you willing to to do the long obedience in the same direction if that's God's timeline because we don't know God's timeline right and but what we do know is that when when we submit ourselves to that and pursue regardless of the length of time, then what we get out of it is we we become different people. We become closer to him. We know him better. All, the, the growth that comes from it is just, we can't even say all the things on this one podcast. But that's really the, that's the thing that I have learned is that when you submit to his sovereignty, the rest, I mean, it all really does fall into place from there because then you are operating from the right perspective and then you're pursuing him for who he is, not what he can or can't do, what he will or won't do, but literally just for who he is. Yeah, that's so good. Well, on um, Sunday, when we talked about this, we talked about particularly a healing story in Mark um, about uh, the healing of Jairus's daughter in Mark 5. Uh, so as you guys have read that, you know, we kind of talked about in our own lives, but what takeaways did you have as you, you know, have read this, this scripture in your study? Um, Pastor Allen, I'll just start with you. Like what, you know, maybe what are some things that stick out to you about it or things we should really pay attention to in this particular story of Jesus uh, interacting with Jairus's uh, daughter? Yeah, I love that story because there's so many elements to it. The, the 
the fact that Jairus, even though he's a religious man, gets to the end of his own tether. I can't do anything anymore. And when you get that desperate when it's your child, you'll go and you'll do whatever it takes to cry out to God. And I think we struggle to do that. In our culture, uh, with our personalities, with our churches being so formal, instead of it being all outdoors and meeting with Jesus right where he's at on the street, we, we struggle with that formality. And so Jairus comes and Jesus is with a crowd like he always was. And he throws himself down at his feet and cries out. He knows that he's making a fool of himself, a public spectacle, but his need is big enough for that to happen. And so he asked Jesus to help. And we've got to get to that point sometimes where we're not bothered about what other people think or what they say, but we're just coming to the source of where the help is and finding Jesus. And and then Jesus does other things on the way. You know, I, I can't imagine Jairus's kind of thought processes. Jesus is still meeting with the other people and healing others on his way to Jairus's daughter, you know? And then when he gets there and everybody's wailing and crying and say, don't bother him anymore, it's too late. I can't imagine Jairus's kind of thinking there. You know, what we would do is blame God. I, I would, you know, I, I'd struggle not to say, well, why didn't you come earlier then? Just like the story of Lazarus, you know? He'd sent word to his sister, to, to the sisters, hey, it's not going to die. And so they must have been encouraged. Well, he's not going to die. Thank you, Jesus. I'll accept that word. And then three days later, in their arms, he passes away, breathes his last. Well, where's Jesus? I thought he cared. I thought his word was enough. And then when Jesus comes back, he raises him from the dead. And it's a similar kind of thing with Jairus when he says to the crowd, it's okay. She's just sleeping. Jesus is in control. To us, it's the end. Death is, is the end. It's, it's almost like the ultimate enemy. But Jesus knew that he had authority even over that, and so he could speak to it. So his calmness there reminds me that I might be full of panic, but God's in control. And he takes control, and even if it's beyond what I can see, see as redeemable, he can redeem it. So I love the story because it's got all the gamut of emotions that we all have and it's placed into that one hot pot and then it's brought something good that we can all take something from. That's really good. Thank you for those reflections. I, I would agree and I love how God knows how we're wired and he knows how we're going to feel. And so he gives mm -hmm. us examples in the scripture about, you know, that and, and there's no, um, you know, I think sometimes as Christians, we try to like, guilt ourselves into like, if I have any doubt or if I have any fear, if I have any uh, worry about this situation, like somehow we're shamed, you know, shamed or, or whatever, but really these are kind of natural things to happen. And we just need to continue to redirect our thoughts on God and remember his authority and remember his goodness. And it's certainly a fight because we're flesh, you know, but we can overcome with his help and with the encouragement from each other. And, um, and we can watch God do incredible things. So yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you so much um, for sharing with us. Uh, I guess I'll, if there's any final thoughts from either of you to wrap it up and then um, we can, uh, you know, finish our discussion today about healing, but this was really good. Thank you so much. Yeah, I would just say, um, I think in, in regards to this conversation, which is obviously a really big one on healing, my big takeaway from from this today and from this passage in Mark 5 is just that 
we have to base our beliefs firmly on truth, not just necessarily facts. Our eyes see situations and then present facts to our brain to consider. And so it's, uh, well, the facts are if you can't eat for 12 years, then you can't live. Well, no, God's truth is that he can do he can do something greater, something different, right? And it's the same even with this, these stories of like Lazarus or Jairus's daughter, very similar. The facts say these people are dead, but Jesus comes in and speaks truth. Truth is over facts. Truth, the truth of God's word and the truth of what Jesus says is really where we need to rest uh, in, in this conversation. So very, very good. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for joining us, Alan. Uh, by the wonders of technology from Albion, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's been great to catch up. Any parting thoughts from you? Just thank you for inviting me to be part of this. It's so good when the church works together. You know, we, we do need each other. And the more, you, the more you read of scripture, the more you realize that that's how God intended it to be. And even on this whole area of healing, we need each other. And the more that we are connected to one another, the stronger we become. So thank you. I appreciate being back today. Amen. All right. Well, hope you've enjoyed this bonus podcast. Uh, tune in this week. We'll see you at church uh, for the wrap-up message from this uh, sermon series. And then uh, there will be another bonus podcast next week. So we're grateful for you tuning in. And we'll catch you next time. I was wondering and you found me.